Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You might think cybercrime is something that happens to other people, but you'd be wrong. Stealing data from public Wi-Fi is one of the easiest ways for hackers to make money. To protect yourself from cybercrime, use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures your internet browsing by encrypting data and hiding your IP address. With easy-to-use apps, protect your data with three months free at expressvpn.com huff. That's expressvpn.com huff for three months free with a one-year package. On Commons People This Week, does anyone have a credible Brexit plan? In the end, perhaps, some of the things I was saying, that a no-deal Brexit would be catastrophic or that you can't negotiate a new deal with Europe uh, probably proved to be truths that people weren't quite ready to hear, but I still think they're truths. Are dark arts at play in the Tory leadership contest? I think we've seen a lot of tactical voting in previous rounds, but now, just as the first round was, now you're actually going to see... uh, people telling the truth in their votes, I think you'll get... And is Jeremy Corbyn finally going to back a second referendum? Our members are remain. Our values are remain. Our hearts are remain. and welcome to Commons People. Joining me this week is Paul War. Hi, Aj. Hey, Paul. Rachel Wearmouth is also here. Hello. Hello, Rachel. And the director of the UK in a Changing Europe think tank, Anand Menon. Hi, Ab. Hi, Anand. Friend of the show. Now, you might remember last week that we set some ground rules while discussing the Tory leadership contest, which is that journalists in the room cannot refer to Boris Johnson as simply Boris because it's over-familiar. Um, I've reviewed last week's podcast, uh, and we have a league table. Rachel, one Boris. Arj, that's me, one Boris. Paul, 15 Borises. Yeah. 15 <laughs> Boris. What's the fourth? <laughs> We're not there yet. Well, we've got about a month to go, and JJ. I'm going to defend it. I'm going to own it at some point, just as own <laughs> Ken for Ken Livingston. <laughs> no one called him Livingston. They called him Ken. Did you not notice her <laughs> at the press conference? Uh, the one thing that struck me about the press conference he did was George Parker from the FT, who stood up and very deliberately said, Mr. Johnson, yeah, he like did. he'd been practicing it. He did. And he didn't want to make the mistake, and he I thought did. that was really Fair interesting. Point. Very good. Fifteen Boris's way out in front. I know. Anyway, we're we're recording in between the final two MPs' votes in the Tory leadership contest, but we can be pretty certain that it'll be <laughs> Boris Johnson against either Michael Gove or Jeremy Hunt in the members' ballot. Johnson this week appeared to row back on his commitment to take the UK out of the EU by the October thirty first deadline, saying only that this was now eminently feasible. Let's hear Johnson supporter Nadim Zahawi insist his man will deliver Brexit by Halloween. I, I am confident that Boris will deliver uh, Brexit by the 31st of October. And he'll deliver, but he didn't deliver a say good that, deal. did he? He said it would be eminently feasible. Uh, well, he has, he has on record, and I spoke to him yesterday to say that he will deliver Brexit by the 31st of October. Okay, and that, I think he that's will really deliver... important. Did you speak to him before the debate or after the debate? I, I spoke to him both before and after the debate, and his position has not changed. Well, it... um, Paul, is Boris Johnson on collision course with his hard Brexit supporters? Well... 
it's certainly true that the the Brexiteers in in the House of Commons, the hard Brexiteers, have had a betrayal narrative for a long time. So almost as soon as the referendum result came in, they all feared, as did Nigel Farage, they will be betrayed at some point. Um, that they think that happened with Theresa May. Will it happen with Boris? The only difference I can see with Boris is that it's this thing, this weird thing, this sheer force of personality element of Boris's leadership. Now, obviously. No one could be a worse negotiator than Theresa May, and no one could be a worse campaigner. Whether or not Boris is a good negotiator remains to be seen, but Boris is a good campaigner. And I think on those grounds alone, um, some of those hardliners um, may well just go along with some of it. But the question is, I mean, I was told that basically there'll be a hardcore of about six, maybe ten, who won't go along with it. But Boris's team know that. They know that, crucially, what they've got to get is the DUP. And we can come on to that later, because you've done a story on the DUP. If, if, if they get the DUP, um, and yet still don't give the hard Brexiteers exactly what they want, the calculation is there's enough Labour levers to get something through the House of Commons. So oh, don't discount this. It sounds like a mad fantasy. Don't discount the idea that somehow Boris can get a deal through the House of Commons before October 31st. Yeah, Boris. Alan. That's Boris as well, not Mr. Johnson. Sorry, <laughs> Boris Johnson. <laughs> Sorry. Already racking them up. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't have that digging. <laughs> uh, Alan, let's have a look at the kind of two Brexit plans that remain in the contest, because Gove and Hunt have kind of a similar plan, which is to try and renegotiate the backstop, but prepare to delay Brexit beyond October 31st if a deal's in sight. Um, however, they say they're ready for no deal if the EU's being intransigent. Johnson, on the other side, we're not quite sure where he is, but the other day he mentioned kicking negotiations on the backstop into a transition period Mm -hmm. that he thinks can be achieved without a withdrawal deal. uh, And his ERG supporters say he's told them that the withdrawal agreement is dead. Now, what do you make of those two competing plans? Well, in a word, unachievable. Boris Johnson. I mean, Boris Johnson's got three plans, hasn't he? The first is to renegotiate the backstop in the transition period we're not going to get. The second is to withhold the money and bring them to heel that way. And the third is no deal. Uh, The other two are slightly softer. I hesitate to use the word soft about what either of them are saying, but they're both saying we can put back the deadline, but ultimately, if no deal seems to be the only alternative to renegotiating, we'll do no deal. I see lots of problems with this. I don't see a way politically you get no deal because of Parliament. I don't see a way politically you would ever win an election having taken us to no deal. Uh, And I don't see any way, despite what Paul just said, I mean, yes, I can see him rustling up more Tory votes than Theresa May did because you'd think twice about voting down something supported by the Prime Minister who is definitely taking you into the next election. I mean, Theresa May wasn't going to do that, so it was easier. But the opposite logic applies to the Labour benches, which is if you were going to lend your votes to a Tory Prime Minister, you would lend them to a dead duck Tory Prime Minister, surely a lame duck Tory Prime Minister, not to a brand new Labour Prime Minister who you're going to have to face in an election pretty soon. So I do wonder... I mean, I know. I mean, when listening to you, Paul, it was so depressing because it was just Groundhog Day, wasn't yeah. it? We could have had that. Conver- I mean, we've we've been having that conversation for Absolutely. so long now, uh, and every single time the Labour leavers write that letter, you think, <laughs> "Oh, this is it," and yeah. then they don't. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm skeptical now, to be honest, because I think the pressure against them when it's a new Tory leader, when that leader is Boris Johnson, lending him their support. I wonder. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean that. The counter to that, though, is, I mean, we'll kind of come on to this later in the programme, but the, the, 
those Labour leavers did sign a letter this week. It was on Labour's referendum, and there were 26 of them warning against a second referendum. And I was told that that's just, you know, that's not the full total by any means. Those are, those are the ones who wanted to actually sign their names. And they're looking at more than 30, and they think those are the people who think, actually, they have to deliver Brexit. And if that means some short-term hit, you know, in popularity... Um, from their own Labour benches, then they might be prepared to go for it. I don't know. Well, that being said, I think I remember it might have been sitting here, uh, or actually have been your old officers then, saying Caroline Flint reckons there are 50 of them. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, Paul, you can't do this without the DUP. I've been speaking yeah. to DUP sources this week, and they still say you either have to get rid of the backstop or time limit it, and it has to be legally binding. So... Can we get a Brexit deal through? Can Brexit yeah, and happen? Is that possible, that, that second bit? I mean, can they get a legally binding um, black backstop transition, um, a, a, a deadline for the, for the backstop? Can, is that possible? They can rewrite the withdrawal agreement, yes. Now, the question is, will the EU rewrite the withdrawal agreement? This is, this is the question about did Theresa May threaten them convincingly enough? And I don't know what the answer to that is. The Irish don't want no deal, Okay. Uh, whether they want no deal less than they want a time-limited backstop, because there's a lot of political capital being sunk into this backstop by the Taoiseach, and mm. I wonder whether politics will start to raise its head rather than just the national interest there as well. Mm. Uh, I mean, I on these matters, I always listen to Peter Foster of The Telegraph, and I've been very, very struck of late by him on Twitter saying it is conceivable, even if it's not probable, that the EU might blink and agree to a time limit if they're confronted by a new prime minister saying it's that or no deal. Only time will tell. Interesting. Or we're heading for a general election, possibly, are um, we, Rachel? Well, that seems that seems like the most likely um, possibility at this stage. I, th- I think sort of beyond all of the, the, the Brexit question, it's kind of Boris Johnson's going to face the question of whether, whether he has a mandate as, as PM, given that... Um, we started out this um, process with Theresa May. Um, we started out Bre- the Brexit vote happened under David Cameron, so a lot has changed since then. So they might might want to go back to the people. Um, yes, yeah, so I imagine that's kind of the most likely outcome is a bre- uh, general election. You think there's going to be an election I sooner do. rather than later, don't you, Anna? I do because I don't see the numbers in Parliament. I don't see him genuinely wanting to leave with no deal. I see him getting elected and calling a general election. Yeah, I think, well, this date of October 24th is going around a lot, which is the week before the October 31st deadline. Um, now, Boris's team, people have really come down on that speculation like a ton of bricks, but that is in itself quite revealing, because uh, a few of them around Boris definitely think they can win a general election and they can win it big. Um, so, you know, that we could all be sitting back here and uh, talking about election fever. And I mean, if, if there is a big Boris bounce, he gets elected and everyone um, gets interested in his new policies and they're going to want to capitalise on that as soon as possible as well. So, And you can convince Brexit party voters more easily before you've sort of had contact with reality. Yeah, because it's a, a, a hypothetical. You know, give me a mandate and I'll deliver yeah, Brexit exactly. is a lot easier than Much I've had easier. to delay Brexit, but vote for me anyway. Much easier. So you don't think you'll have to do a pact with Farage? No, I think he thinks he can win against Farage. I mean, we can talk later if you want about whether the Tories who think that Boris Johnson is electoral Heineken based on his performance in 2008 are kidding themselves, which I think they probably are. But I think there is a sense that actually faced with the choice of no deal, after which I don't see how you win an election, or failing to get a new deal and having an election and then looking like you're obfuscating like Theresa May did, Mm. or just going early... Yeah. I mean, what's toxic to Boris would be the idea of delaying. 
So I, I think, you know, it would be really, really damaging. If, you, if the whole point of Boris' premiership is to actually win back the Brexit party, the best way to do that is hold a snap election in the middle of October on a hypothetical. And the hypothetical, is, as, as, as Anand just said, look, stick with me. I'm going to really kick their asses. Um, you won't have to prove you've just kicked their asses. You, 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 you're just going to hypothetical. And that might be enough. Because anything, anything past October 31st, he faces a charge. He's just like the rest of them. He's delaying, delaying, delaying. And what else has he got? And even if he blames a Parliament for having cocked it up later down in the year, this is the maximum time where he can blame Parliament and say, look, these guys are, are standing up to you. And he can do a people versus Parliament election. And it could be 1970s all over again. Who governs Britain? It really could be as simple as that from Boris Johnson. But what exactly is his platform if he's going into this October election? Oh, he'll fudge it just so that he's fudged these debates. He doesn't need For any. He needs broad brush. And yeah. he'll get away with He's always got away with broad brush. And he'll do it again. He'll just say, I'm a lever. I believe in Brexit. To deliver it, I need a parliament that will vote me through. Believe in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us on nicely to uh, tie-removing neutral's favourite, Rory Stewart, who was finally knocked out of the Tory leadership race this week, having actually lost 10 votes in the third round of the contest. Sajid Javid was also knocked out today, having lost votes. Uh, Stewart initially blamed Dark Arts for artificially inflating his support before later rowing back. Let's have a listen to him. No, I've actually concluded looking at it, that isn't what happened. What actually happened is that members of Parliament who'd sincerely voted with me last time have gone to Michael Gove, Jeremy Hunt and Sunderland to Sajid Javid. So they clearly decided, for whatever reason, that the message that I was bearing was not a message that they felt the Conservative associations were ready to hear. Paul, were Rory Stewart and Sajid Javid a victim of what Andrew Mitchell told us last week was a serpentine electorate? I'm not so sure about Rory Stewart, but it's definitely Sajid Javid. I mean, I've just come hot foot from the Commons where we saw Javid get knocked out. And it's almost certain, in my opinion now, that, that Javid's support will go to Gove and we'll see Gove v Johnson, which is mouthwatering clash in the final two. Um, and the reason Javid um, lived to die another day was because I was told this morning by another rival campaign manager that, yeah, the story everyone's missed is the way Boris lent quite a chunk of votes to Javid to get him just over the line of 33. And boy, were they relieved when he got 33. It meant that um, Raab was further down. Obviously, Stuart was. But it meant that their main target in Boris camp has been Dominic Raab all the way along. That's why they've been targeting the McVeigh voters, targeting the Legton voters, and and then killing Raab's voters, as well as doing these other tricks. Because if Raab had been in those final two, Boris, you know, a lot of the ERG would have been tempted to try and keep him honest uh, on this entire question of going out without a deal. Yeah, Rachel, can anything stop Boris Johnson now? Um, well, I think, uh, as Paul says, the, the, the interesting contest now will be um, Gove v Boris Johnson. And um, <laughs> um, Gove is, is really good on detail. He's already thought a lot more deeply about policy. He's talked about how he would tackle exclusions. He's, he's talked about knife crime already. He's thinking about what's in the news and what people will be answering questions about. And I think um, if you've got just the two of them and, and Boris Johnson is trying to do the sort of broad brushstrokes, I do think Gove will hold his feet to the fire on that and I think it will make for a much more interesting contest um, but you know it, Boris Johnson has already avoided scrutiny that can, could come back to bite him if he has this constant submarine strategy I don't think that will appeal to people or it can make people distrust him um, so, but still I think it's highly unlikely that anything will stop him other than 
Boris Johnson himself. <laughs> if Gove is in the final two, don't forget, this game is, is game delivered as far as he's concerned. I mean, the best case scenario is you're Prime Minister. The worst case scenario is you get an even better cabinet job. You know, he, he's proved himself in an environment. I wouldn't surprise me if he becomes Home Secretary or something. Yeah. Um, now, I think that would be tricky, and his, his, his you know, legacy might be a lot harder. Um, but who knows? He might even get Foreign Secretary. Who knows? Who knows? But he's, if you're the defeated candidate, you have to be offered something decent. Uh, Anand, what did you make of Rory Stewart's campaign? I think if I were Boris... Uh, if I were one of Boris Johnson's teams, I would not have wanted uh, Rory Stewart anywhere near the final two because Boris wants to be the anti-establishment insurgent candidate. And the problem with Rory Stewart was he would have been one too. Uh, you know, it was interesting. It was fun to watch. It was quite engaging. Uh, it was incredibly light on detail. I wasn't massively convinced by the Citizens' Assembly idea. Uh, I think Rory Stewart didn't know how to fix Brexit either, but was more willing to accept the problems inherent in the process than any of the other contenders, which I suppose was a good thing. Uh, and, you know, I've heard from a couple of journalists this morning that the person the Labour Party feared most was Rory Stewart. Mm, I totally get that. Yeah, definitely. Although I have to say, his biggest policy area, in my opinion, was national compulsory national citizen service. I'd, yeah. I would have thought that would have been dumped very quickly very quickly indeed because it's the exact opposite of liberal a liberal agenda compulsory national service mm. just finally on this what do we make of vote lending are we are we up for it is it fine is that just how it absolutely works absolutely fine god yeah politics yeah. that's yeah. the way it works oh my god it's what the electorate do yeah it's tactical voting you know it's here to stay We're bringing you a very exciting offer from The Week, which you can try free for six weeks. The Week is like your news filter, pulling together the best and most interesting articles from over 200 publications. Whether you're interested in news, sports, politics or culture, The Week is the best place to find out what's happening. It provides the key facts and opinions so that you can make your own mind up on topics ranging from who's going to win the Women's World Cup or who's going to win the Tory leadership. And it's a great way of challenging your perspectives. And thanks to Commons People, you can try it for free for six weeks. Visit theweek.co.uk forward slash offer. Enter the offer code HuffPost for your free six issues of the week. Well, the tectonic plates appear to be shifting in Labour towards backing a second EU referendum, albeit at a glacial pace. Uh, the Shadow Cabinet debated the idea this week and Jeremy Corbyn is now off to consult unions and members about the next steps. Let's hear Labour MP John Mann claiming this will cost the party votes in Northern Leave seats like his. This is going to lose Labour the next general election by a significant amount. And I can tell you this as well, because that some MPs um, who've been speaking this morning, I've seen in private what they've said, who've never, ever rebelled, ever, are up in arms about this because they realise the reality on the ground. They talk to their own voters. They know they're in the north, in the Midlands, it's Labour voters who voted Leave, and this will be catastrophic if ever wants to be a Labour government. Paul, how significant is this? Yeah, well, it's part of the, the pattern we've seen, which is Labour on Brexit is, is an incremental process where inch by inch Keir Starmer seems to get what he wants. Um, now, there's always going to be a time where maybe he doesn't get what he wants, and at that point I suspect he may well walk. 
But so far, his strategy is working, and he's quite canny. Unlike Tom Watson, who actually does shout from the rooftops, Starmer does it in one-on-one with Corbyn, and Corbyn's in a circle, and, pe- and fellow members of the Shadow Cabinet, like John McDonnell, and he persuades them, and it, 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 he's got a lot of evidence to help him persuade them in the last few weeks. So having warned of this catastrophe, seeing the catastrophe now happen, Labour, what, third place in a national opinion poll for the general election, not just in the locals and the Euros? Um, having had that hard evidence now, um, there are people around Corbyn who are from the left who are saying, you know, and Rachel knows Richard Bergen better than anyone, people like that are really quite telling. They've they've come round to sort of this idea that somehow the only way of stopping a Tory, Tory chaos is by having a referendum. Yeah, Rachel, some Shadow Cabinet members have come round. Uh, others have been tying themselves in knots over this, haven't they? You could say that, yeah. Um, <laughs> what's, what's happened? <laughs> the, the, the party chairman, Ian Lavery, was um, was apparently hacked. Um, his Twitter account was hacked this week, um, which you... Not, not, not everybody is entirely convinced <laughs> by his um, his uh, version of events, but he, in reply to a tweet, said that about but the party potentially changing position and um, backing a referendum on any on any deal that he he feared that was going to happen and it and that the whole drive for this was going to be about cancelling article 15 cancelling cancelling brexit he later deleted that and said that you know that that, that wasn't me it wasn't anybody on my campaign but i think that there are sort of two two versions of what happened there circulating one is that he's trying to to signal to members that um that there is some kind of campaign to oust Corbyn that is, you know, being weaponized by the whole Brexit thing. Right. Uh, and the other is just that it was him, <laughs> which, which seems to be the more likely. Story. I think it was definitely him, wasn't yeah. it? It's like Ian Lavery says something that Ian Lavery always says, and then claims, and then claims it wasn't him else. because yeah. it's inconvenient. There's, 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 the there is, I gather, just a lot of unhappiness about um, Ian Lavery, Ian Lavery generally, and whether he's um, representing members of there are other names circulating for people who um some MPs would like to see him replaced with um Rachel Maskell's name's been mentioned to me as has um Ed Miliband's there's yeah. just a lot of unhappiness isn't there well, on every <laughs> side against every side in the Labour Party at the moment it's just unhappy yeah yeah it's not a happy ship that's that's certainly true yeah I don't follow Labour as closely as you guys um can one of you explain exactly what the position on a second referendum now is well, the position is, as stated by Jeremy Corbyn in the wake of the Euro election disaster, which was when he went to Dublin and made the statement, which was carefully crafted, and it was now the only way to break the deadlock is either a general election or a public vote on any deal passed by Parliament. Now, there's lots of the, that bit of passed by Parliament, really? Is it ever going to be a Brexit deal passed by Parliament? Um any deal, Tory deal, Labour deal, when, before, after general election. There's lots of little bits in there that give you room for ambiguity. Um, but the, what Starmer and co want is to, yeah, that we'll bank that. Jeremy's already said it, so why is it a big deal? Um, well, it is a big deal because he then rode back on an ITV interview in which he said that's a long way off. Now he's going to suggest it's not a long way off. But the, what Starmer really wants and what McDonnell wants is a clear referendum and remain policy. Now that it's a massive, massive gamble. Uh, you know, it's not as much of a gamble as people make, but it would be a gamble with seats like you know John Lisa Mance. John Mans, but also Lisa Nandy. Lisa Nandy made a really powerful point this week: was it's not about Brexit. It is about telling those voters who voted Leave 
not that you were wrong on Brexit, but that you're wrong about everything else. And and she made a really powerful point that, you know, it's bigger than this. It's about that disenfranchisement, the, the sense of waste. Um, she even hates the phrase left behind, you know, because that in, in, in itself carries lots of implications. Um, and there is a fundamental point that I've, I keep saying this, that just as in the early 20th century um, and in the late 19th century, people kept saying, don't give the working classes the vote because they don't understand what they're doing if you give them the vote. That's exactly the language that some people in Labour are using now about the Brexit vote. We'll say a couple of things. Firstly, Paul just outlined Labour policy without notes, which is the first time I've seen it done. <laughs> uh, so congratulations on that. That was very good. Uh, secondly, I'm going to do a plug, if I may. Yes. Which is we've just Please. done this series of focus groups with the Joseph Rowntree Foundation in 16 of the poorest constituencies of the UK, asking them about uh, Brexit and what they want for the country after Brexit, what they want for their local economy and all this sort of stuff. And the language on Brexit has been stark from Leavers and Remainers, which is they don't get why it's not being delivered. Uh, that was a really, really striking thing. But the third thing worth saying about Labour, and I think it just does bear saying, is this is a really hard choice. Because, yes, the majority of your members and your voters are Remainers. But a lot of them are piled up in seats where they weigh the Labour vote, and so actually you don't need them. But in a lot of those Leave seats where the majority is far, far smaller, or you're trying to unseat a Tory with a 2,000 majority, that's where you're worried about it. And so you're going to lose voters either way. And I think people pretending this is a no-brainer are being slightly disingenuous. Is this all about kind of traditional coalitions, voter coalitions shifting and morphing and the kind of main parties not really representing well I think politics is always about coalitions yeah. you know and uh, yeah. parties are always about co- coalitions you know the Tory party is a coalition uh, you know of those hard won working class former council state owning um, right to buyers plus all the traditional vote they've got and just as in the states Trump is a massive coalition between the heavy corporate interests and the rust belt guy who thinks something needs to be done about his life and exactly, exactly the same in Labour you know it's always been a coalition of the middle class and the working classes always has been always you know it, it wouldn't have been elected otherwise you know it had to have that that middle class element to it in the 60s certainly um to, for it to power on and so the smart thing to do is work out where your coalition lies and what the risks are of, of cutting off bits of it yeah and i think also one of the interesting things that people don't talk about enough is what coalition does jeremy corbyn want to come to power at the head of and i don't think he wants to come to power at the head of a coalition which is the sort of metropolitan, liberal, urban elite, I think he quite wants to represent Labour's traditional vote as well. And that's one of the reasons for his discomfort here. But jobs first Brexit didn't didn't really translate electorally, did it? It didn't land, but, you know, not many versions of Brexit have landed electorally <laughs> in the last few months. All right, well, moving on from Labour's woes, it's time for the quiz. Yay! <laughs> this week is on... And I'm just grown. TV. By the way, <laughs> before we do the quiz, can we do a plug for Anand's think tank for just getting a, a fantastic new amount of funding to keep it going to 2022? So we might Great. even have him here for three more years. Fantastic news. Isn't that a triumph? He did that without reading it out as well. Fantastic. <laughs> That's great news. Or without being prodded. I wonder what will happen. No, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, quiz time. It's all about TV election debates because we had, well, a Tory leadership contest debate this week. Um, so question number one. Who won 
the famous 1960 presidential debate between Nixon and Kennedy, according to the American public. Oh, it's got to be Nixon, hasn't it? It's got to be Nixon because it's counterintuitive. Everyone remembers the, the sweating. TV versus radio one. Everyone remembers the sweating, don't they? Isn't isn't this the one where uh, Nixon won the radio and Kennedy won the telly? Oh, maybe because you maybe Anand's right. Anand is right. Get in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> First time I've ever got one right. Yeah. Ned actually in the office said, "I bet Anand knows that." <laughs> <laughs> when I was formulating, very this good. Quiz. How rude. Yeah. So so, <laughs> so Nixon had recently been ill and looked pale and unshaven next to the youthful, telegenic Kennedy, and it was kind of one of the early examples of image matters in politics. Um, now, there were three debates in the run-up to the 2010 general election here, and they each had a theme. What were the themes? Oh, God, I remember. I went to the middle one, the Bristol one. What was the theme of the Bristol one? Oh, God. I think Nick, Nick and Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would, they, would, would they have been domestic policy, policy foreign policy, and... Oh, what else? I was going to say Brexit, but obviously No, not, yeah. not then. <laughs> um, what happened before Brexit? Yeah, I'll yeah. see. Uh, <laughs> co- coalitions? No. No. Anyone else want to have a stab? Domestic foreign, correct. And, okay. Um... He gets no point from you two out of three, does he? No, I don't. Okay, good. What, what else is there other than domestic and foreign? It's like yeah. two bits of the <laughs> AOB. <map>. Economic affairs. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. So. Oh, the economy's stupid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Right, last question. Name the seven participants. Do that again. Right, last question. Name the seven participants in the last mass TV debate of the 2017 snap election campaign. Jesus. The seven, did you say? Yeah. That would have been... The one with 2017? Yeah. Everyone so but... Theresa May. Yeah, everyone so but the Prime Minister. Amber, so it would have been Amber Rudd instead of PM yeah. and all the other late, late leaders. So it would have been Leanne Wood. Leanne Wood, Corbyn. Sturgeon, Corbyn. Sturgeon. Not Sturgeon. No. Ah. Incorrect. Ah. Zangus Robertson for SNP. Ah. Continue, continue. Um, Carolyn Lucas? Yep. Yeah, um. Tim Farron? Yep. Uh, who are we missing? One more. Who are we missing? Uh, so we've done, we've done Wales. Amber Rudd. Done Amber Rudd. Seven. UKIP. Yeah, the Kippers. Who, uh, Farage? No. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Well, see, I give up now. It was better. Uh, Paul... Nuttall. Yes. Paul Nuttall, yes. I think Rachel's uh, wins that question, so it's a draw. What, for St. Paul? (laughs) Well, she just got a good good couple of uh, obscure ones when you guys were struggling, so I'm going to give her a point. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. It's essentially arbitrary, and I'm giving her a point. I I smelled victory there, and it's just been snatched from her hand. (laughs) He's been robbed. (laughs) Right, that's all we've got time for. Uh, I'll just leave you with Rory Stewart explaining why he took off his tie in the middle of the TV debate on Tuesday. Well, I thought, I thought maybe if I took my tie off, we could get back to a bit of reality. I was beginning to feel on those strange BBC white bar stools that we were moving off into an alternate reality. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.